sometimes the most valuable thing you can do for someone else is to challenge the things that they think and say about themselves. Now, if you've ever dealt with a teenager, and we raised four of them, our baby is now 22. If you've ever dealt with a teenager, then you know that sometimes these self-damaging, self-destructive, self-hurtful thoughts come into their minds. And sometimes they're caused by games or competitions or contests or just even what they would call friends. My friends have said they don't like my haircut or they don't like the color of my eyeshadow or they don't like the size of my feet. And that alone will cause someone to go into an emotional spiral where the conversation about themselves, what's going on inside their head, becomes very self-destructive. You might even know someone who's been prone to cutting themselves or burning themselves or inflicting harm on themselves because of the outside pressure, the outside narrative from other people. Now, if you don't think that's been exaggerated in the last couple of decades, you haven't been paying much attention. But that's exactly what I wanna talk about today. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And it reminds me today because today is the annual kickoff breakfast of a mentorship group that I've been a part of for this will be year number 11. Of course, during the year of COVID, we didn't have any meetings because we actually meet in the high school, in the classroom with high school students. And it's a powerful time because even though we follow generally a curriculum that everybody in the school is following and we work in the classroom in tandem with the teacher that's their homeroom teacher we do find that there's a lot of open conversation opportunity with students about what they're thinking today what they think about politics what they think about their competitive nature what they think about competitive sports how they feel about the things that are going on in the world around us and as you've heard me say because i'm quoting someone else the idea that uh, the philosophy of the schoolroom in this generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next, that is a powerful reality that we all need to be aware of. And part of that reality is that if the conversation in the classroom is self-loathing, if the conversation of the students is self-destructive, if the belief about themselves and their peers is all negative, we don't have a whole lot of hope left. Because the young people, the kids of today, and when I say kids, I mean from five, six, seven years old all the way up to our high school and college graduates, anyone in that arena, especially that is still a minor, they're still requiring the input and the influence of parents and teachers and their immediate community. And if we abandon them to these negative thoughts, these hateful thoughts, especially the self-loathing thoughts, then we're gonna find that self-destruction becomes the path that they walk on. Now don't get me wrong, self-destruction is a bad, bad thing and it, and it should be, I don't know, talked out of someone by encouraging them and all the positive natures about them. But self-loathing generally doesn't stop with self. 
You know that to be true. Someone who has a really low self-esteem generally has really hard times with other people. If they don't value themselves, they probably don't value others either. And when you don't value other people, you mistreat them. When you don't value other people, you don't value their private property. When you don't value other people, you don't value their stuff or their rights or their thoughts. If we don't get a handle on the narrative that has been shoved down the throats of our young people for the last two or three decades through media and social media, even through the context of some of the curriculum that's being taught in certain government schools, what we're going to find is that we have a people-hating, self-hating, America-hating group of young people who are going to move this transition from the school system through the collegiate journey and into the halls of Congress. And if the people who are running the country don't love the country, how complicated will it be for us to sell the idea of American prosperity, American success, democratic hope around the world. See, there are a lot of people who still come to our country for the purpose of finding hope. They come here because they believe that what they're looking for in themselves, what they're looking for in their life will be found here. They don't come here because they want to reshape our nation. They come here because they like the shape of it now. If you realize some of the things that are being taught in the school systems and even through social media today, it's, well, it's for lack of a better term, it's propaganda. It's reshaping the way people think about what they've believed all of their life. Unfortunately, there is a very specific narrative if you dig deep enough into it. If you look at all the angles the information is coming in, that information has a path. That information has a pattern. That information matches things we've heard before. What's that old phrase? Let's see if it, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it might be an alligator? No, I, I think it, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And if by some odd chance it tells you it's a duck, you probably should believe it's a duck. We know there are organizations today that call themselves the Socialist Democrats. We know there are organizations today whose leaders have said straight up, we are trained in Marxist revolution. If you've read anything by or about Karl Marx, you know that's a really bad idea. There was nothing successful that came from Marxist ideology. Nothing. In close to 200 years since he started talking, nothing successful has come from Marxist ideas. Go back to the 1840s when he started writing some of his poetry. Read some of those poems and tell me he was a self-loving, others-loving, society-loving, culture-loving, positive human being who you would want to influence your grandchildren. And I think you're gonna realize this is not a guy we want leading the way we think. But the narrative that's being espoused today from social media to major media, from textbooks to private conversations among teens revolves around a lot of what Marx had to say. Tear down the system, erase everything, destroy it all, start all over, reset the world. Those are destructive ideas. Those ideas will lead to self-loathing and self-hatred. And really the only answer we have is hope. Challenge the narrative. 
as leaders, we need to know that the most powerful tool we have is influence. That's leadership. Nothing more and nothing less. If we are to lead the next generation, if we are to lead the people that we're spending time around, if we're to lead the people we're having a conversation with, we need to be telling stories, inspiring stories, drawing out stories from young people that bring hope, that illustrate hope that does exist, that challenge people to think, not in the way that everyone else is trying to force them to think, but to think independently and to recognize the reasons that they have for hope. There are plenty. We just need to tap into them and expose them and then get young people to repeat them over and over and over again. The more we can challenge the narrative and get the stories of hope out there, the better we have, the better chance we have of seeing a positive role of leadership in our government in the next generation. The mindset of the students in this generation is going to be the mindset of the government in the next. If they hate each other, they hate themselves, and they hate America, it's not going to look good in the next 30 years. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day.